Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to In the Music Box with Tanya Dallas-Lewis, where there is love inside, bringing you the hottest gospel and Christian music, interviews that are all the way live, and the latest Christian and gospel news. So don't touch that dial. the music box. It's your girl, Tanya Dallas-Lewis, right here at the helm at the top of the hour with you, broadcasting live from the virtual studios right here in the Washington, D.C. area, or as we call it, the DMV. So happy Thursday, and thank you so much for joining me for another show right here on the music box. If you don't know me, well, let me let me introduce myself. My name is Tanya Dallas-Lewis, national recording artist, D.C.'s own, actually I really could say, by the grace of God, I'm so grateful to him, that I'm an international uh, recording artist as my music is being played and sold in Europe and, well, you know, specifically London, England, and uh, (laughs) places like Nigeria and some other places I don't even know about. So God is so good. For more information on me, make sure you look me up at TanyaDallasLewis.com. But enough about me, the real star of the show. He's always the real star of the show. We're talking about Jesus Christ, and this is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Well, as always, great show lined up for you all tonight, a doubleheader. And this show is especially, uh, in my opinion, for independent artists, recording artists, mega, mid-level. I don't care where you are on the artist, um, what do you call that, the, the, uh, the, the poem, is it called the pole, the ta- not the tadpole? You guys know what I'm talking about. You, this show will be relevant to you. We've got gospel recording artist, worship leader, songwriter, Alex Williams. He'll be joining us right here at the top of the hour, as well as Bob Maravich of the Black Gospel Blog. So it's going to be a great show, a lot to learn. So I just need you to do me one favor. Yeah, I don't ask for much, people, okay? I need you to do me one favor. Make sure you call your mama, call your homegirl, your best friend. I don't care if you have to tweet them, Facebook them, live chat them. Let them know that Tanya Dallas-Lewis is on the air with the music box. And the music box, of course, is the place where you'll find love inside. We've also got some fun facts about the candy cane that I'll be sharing with you all uh, this show. You know, I always try to make sure you all are educated. So, you know, it's the candy cane wrapped in history, tradition, and lore. You guys know the, the red and white peppermint candy cane that endures as one of the sweetest symbols of the Christmas symbol of the Christmas season. So I'm really excited um, about these fun facts, and I hope you will be too. And again, like I said, I always want to make sure you guys are educated when you tune into this show. All right, well, we'll give you guys just a few minutes to make those calls and let everybody know that Tanya Dallas-Lewis is on the air right now, and we'll be back with more. 
Actually, we'll be back with Alex Williams. I think I see him sitting in our virtual green room. And as you all know, I try to always have lots of food in there, specifically food uh, that black, you know, Americans traditionally like, fried chicken. Yes, it's true, we do, okay? Some Kool-Aid, red Kool-Aid with the ginger ale, all right? Collard greens. I have some mints. You, you guys know what I'm talking about, those, those pastel mints, you know, they're square and they melt in your mouth. I have all that in there. So <laughs> hopefully he is in there and chowing down on those things. And we'll be right back with the show. So make sure, holla at your girl. If you want to call in, 646-652-2106. Again, happy Thursday. It's the Music Box with Tanya Dallas-Lewis. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Big C, the Encourager. And you can hear me on Urban Gospel Sounds. Go to my website, get my programming schedule. That's UrbanGospelSounds.com. But right now, you're hanging with my sister, Tanya Dallas-Lewis on the Music Box. Keep it locked and stay right here. in helping Tanya get a final NAACP Image Award nomination for Outstanding Music Video. Follow Tanya on Twitter at www.twitter.com forward slash Tanya D. Lewis and tweet your support by tagging Tanya in your tweet with the hashtag NAACP Image Award. There really is something about a miracle. Everybody and welcome back to the Music Box with your sister Tanya Dallas Lewis. We're at the end of another week, and man, I hope that you guys had a smooth commute home. And uh, right now, you're sitting down, relaxed, with your robe on and some hot chocolate, maybe um, eating some, maybe some chocolate cake because you already ate dinner. I don't know. I'm just saying, maybe some some tea. <laughs> oh my goodness. I am just so glad to be hanging out with you guys one more again. Shout out to everybody uh, in the chat room, all my friends and family, Janine Payne, Spirit Co. One, Mr. Henry Harris, all of you guys, thank you so much for tuning in. You guys know I cannot do this without you. Without you. Okay, sorry. Y'all know us singers. We always we always singing some songs. Another fun candy cane back for you before we bring on our special guest. For 200 years? The candy cane came only in one color. I didn't know this, y'all. Do y'all want to guess what color it was? Okay, it's five, four, three. Time's up. It was the, <laughs> the color is white. Yes, they were made originally uh, in the color white. Also, did you know that the candy cane has its own day that's celebrated right here in the U.S.? Did you know that? I didn't know this either. It's actually December the 26th. It has been declared as National Candy Cane Day. So, see, there you go. The two things you didn't know. 200 years, the candy cane. For the first 200 years, the candy cane came only in one color, and that was white. Isn't that weird? If you saw a white candy cane today, actually today they come in so many different colors. I've seen them in rainbow. I've seen them in chocolate. Um, I've seen them, oh, gosh, uh, cinnamon. 
of course, peppermint. Uh, then they also have the winter green. You guys have seen those ones, right? With the winter green mint flavor, but it's also green and white. I'm telling you, there's a historical story um, about the candy cane and its religious significance. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. But I am just tickled pink. The holiday season is upon us, and the season three of is Jesus Christ, and that's the reason why I do this show, because I love him so much. And I love hanging out with you guys and chit-chatting with you all and introducing you all to some great musicians, songwriters, um, industry personnel who have a heartbeat for the Lord and getting out uh, his gospel through song or, you know, through books or by any means necessary, whatever it is that y'all do out there. So uh, I'm so pleased to announce... Um, my brother, Alex Williams, let's check and see if indeed he is in our virtual green room. And it would help perhaps if I turn on his mic. Alex, are you there? <laughs> I'm here. How you doing? I'm doing great. Welcome to the music box. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Did, did you hear my facts about the candy cane? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> now tell me, did you did you guess the color that it was in for the first 200 years? Would you have guessed that it was white? No, I I always thought it was red and white, you know. So no, uh. <laughs> no, yeah. Originally, it just only it only came in white. So that's that's pretty cool. I have the story here, but right now we want to hear <laughs> about your story. So if you're just tuning into the music box, you're here just in time. I've got recording artist, worship leader, songwriter Alex Williams right here on the line with us, and I want to give you all the opportunity to get to know him a little bit better. But before I do, let me tell you a little bit about him. Uh, Alex Williams believes that the gospel of Jesus Christ mends broken hearts, and I believe that too. It encourages souls in despair, amen, and changes lives. As a worship leader at the Bridge in Silver Spring, Maryland, Alex Williams delivers that message through the music God has given him through his songs and recordings. Alex Williams, I got him on the line right now, y'all, live, delivers that message to all of us. Now, he has an amazing story, and I'm not going to read that because I'm going to ask him about that in particular, but for those of you, uh, I just want to tell you just a little bit about his songwriting caliber, uh, and not because, you know, some great gospel artist, you know, did his song. Uh, the gift that he has is a gift no matter who's singing it. But here we go. <laughs> Byron Cage, most of you all have heard of national recording artist, international recording artist, Byron Cage, CC Zone right here in this area at Ebenezer. Well, Alex Williams. Man, he, if you listen to uh, Byron Cage, you can hear one of his songs, uh, An Invitation to Worship, on the sophomore release of National Recording Artist Byron Cage. That's amazing. Um, he also wrote the, wrote the popular worship track, Invitation, and the energy filled Rain on Me. So, Alex, it is a pleasure to have you on the music box on tonight. Oh, thank you so much. Now, as a worship leader and a songwriter who learned to play the piano by ear, and I think this is amazing, this piece of the story, it was due to the previous owner of your childhood's home leaving their old piano behind. Tell us about that. That just seems like not a mistake to me. Tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. I grew up in D.C. and um, had a house off of North Capitol Street. And, yeah, the owners left uh, a piano. It was a... It was an upright piano. It was kind of, you know, rinkety, you know. But, but I don't know. I just, you know, I would go down there and just play around with it. And um, I would take my my boom box and and put it on top of the piano, and just try to, you know, hammer out the popular songs that you know that I liked. And you know, and you know, my my mother would 
listen to me like, you know, how, what are you doing? How, <laughs> how did that, you know, how, how do you, you know, are you learning how to play this stuff? And and I thought that everyone could do it, you know. <laughs> I thought it was something that wow. everyone naturally could do that, you know, they just chose not to do. I didn't realize it was a gift um, until, you know, after a while when, you know, when friends and, and family would would kind of be amazed at, you know, at the gifting. So, so it was, you know, it was definitely a blessing, but for me it was second nature, you know. Wow. And I, I, again, you know, when we look back over the fabric of our lives, you know, because God sees us as we shall be, but, you know, there's an eternity past, present, and future, that just was so ordained that those yeah. people would live in that house <laughs> and then leave that piano behind. I think that's amazing. Now, yeah. your mother went on home to be with the Lord quite suddenly and unexpectedly mm-hmm. when you were quite young. And the thing that I that gave me chills about your bio was instead of your rejecting God, you embraced him. And I, I want you to explain to me why. Why did you do that? You ran to him. Why did you do that? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I've i always um, believed, I mean, I, for as long as I can remember, I mean, I, I believed in God. And, I mean, even as a child, you know, it wasn't, you know, my parents were, you know, I was in church every Sunday, but I wasn't really listening to the pastor. And at that at that time, you know, children's church wasn't really as popular as it is now. So, you know, all the kids was we we'd be in the sanctuary, you know, listening to the pastor. And so I would pretty much kind of days off, go to sleep. But I still felt a presence of God, and and wow. and it just carried with me throughout my years. Um, even in my rebellion, I still remember it, you know, and and recognize who He was. And so. The the day you know my mother passed away, um, I just happened to be not far. I was like five minutes away um, from the hospital, mm-hmm. so so I, I, mean, I walked there, and oh um, my God. and you know I guess I got there and about ten minutes later. You know the doctor um, announced to us uh, that that my mother had passed, and and mm-hmm. um, and I don't I you know honestly I mean it's I guess just I mean I I wholeheartedly believe in God because I mean in that moment. I mean, in in my tears and, and you know my family's crying every, every you know that whole thing was going on. I you know I just said out loud, I still believe in God. I still you know believe believe Him. And um, and it, I wasn't saying it for anybody else. <laughs> I guess wow, it was, you know, it, was, it was for me. Um, and which is amazing because you know uh, there there is a group of people, um, a large amount of us. I don't want to say people, all of us. Mm-hmm. Who, when we lose a loved one like that, we blame God. You know, we hate him and you know curse him out and you know turn our backs from him. But you ran right to God. I I, I love that. I think that's amazing, and that's a testament um, of your being in a church, even though you weren't listening like me. You know, <laughs> but also well, by that time I was. I mean, I was nineteen. Okay. <laughs> but um, but you know, I mean, I, my my mother was the closest thing to me at that point in my life, and um. And so, you know, to lose her was was just major for me. And I mean, the only person I could turn to was God. And not to, not to, um, you know, kind of belittle the fact. I mean, I had a father in the household. I have a great father and great sisters and a great family. But, mm-hmm. but you know, I I just felt a closer connection with my mom. And, you know, and so, so I felt that like mom I just, connection. Yeah, you know. And so I just and you know I, I I see here that she, it's because of her, like you said earlier, that she encouraged you to join the you know the church's youth choir, where you eventually served as pianist, and your skills were further honed, you know, while singing for your high school choir and directing and all that stuff. 
Uh-huh. So I'm sure she she saw in you maybe what you didn't even see. So I, I thank God for that because you, you are doing some amazing things. You know, you are right here in the D.C. area doing your thing and making a, you know, a worldwide impact for the Lord. And speaking of a worldwide impact, I want to talk about your, your current single. Okay. Uh, tell us about Shooting Star and about your project, but specifically about Shooting Star because we're going to play that so our music box listeners can listen to that. Um, and see, you know, what you sound like. They've gotten to hear your heart, so now I want to hear you talk about Shooting Star. Okay, well, I mean, Shooting Star, that that <laughs> that um, that song, is the original, um, was written by a guy, um, Chris, uh, um, oh, my Lord, he's going to kill me. <laughs> but his name is Chris. Um, his, his artist I hate name that. Is, that happens to me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> his artist name is In Your Face, and... And I went to the studio, and he had this song, and I just love the message because it's, it's pretty much just talking about, you know, pursuing your dreams, chasing after your dreams, and, and not giving up, and, you know, doing it all, all the while with God um, on your side. And um, so I heard it, and but he um, he's a um, rapper, so he pretty much rapped the entire song. And so I came in later and wrote a verse, and um, and we just collaborated on that song, and, and it I mean that song just spoke to me when I first heard it, you know, and I I want to be all that God um, desires for me in my life, and so, and so you know that's that's still what I live today. I you know I've I've had some accomplishments and I have many things that I I desire to accomplish, but at the end of the day, I'm I'm open. It's wherever God leads me is that that's where I want to go. So I you know I do have some dreams, but but if that's not His will. It's all good. It's all good. And he's definitely a shooting star. If you're just tuning in, you're chillaxing with your homegirl, Tanya Dallas Lewis. And I've got live on the air national recording artist, worship leader, songwriter, Alex Williams. We're about to hear his single, Shooting Star. He told us a little bit about it. Uh, you guys let me know what you think. Alex, you stay right there in the virtual green room. I, I said right. you well, right? I don't yes. know if you ate already tonight. but Oh, it was good. It was good. Yeah. Okay, good. I just I have to check because you know I have a hired catering staff and I will fire them. All right, <laughs> I will fire them. We we'll just tell them the, the chicken was a little was a little dry, but other than that, oh. everything else is oh. great. So let's okay. Them... <laughs> All right. I will, <laughs> I will make notes of that. Here we go. Here on the music box is Alex Williams shooting star.
And his single shooting star, I like it a lot, especially when the guy's like, "Go, oh, her, oh, her." I like that. I was like, "I like that." I was yeah, it's, uh, it's always fun doing that live. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, Alex, tell us how <laughs> our people here at the Music Box, the listeners, how can they support your music ministry? But before you tell us that, real quickly, tell us what you got coming up next. I actually. Don't you love how I ask you a question and keep talking? <laughs> I actually uh, <laughs> met you. We shared uh, a venue together. Do you remember? Yeah, it was, it was called July? Praise. What was it and called? Crazy Praise. Crazy was Praise. it July? I can't July? remember. No, it wasn't that long. Was it that long ago? <laughs> yeah, it was. It definitely wasn't. Uh, no, it was August. It was August. It okay. was August. But anyway, I digress. Please tell us what you got coming up next, and then also tell us uh, – uh, you guys can follow him on Twitter. I'll tell you that at a w m u s i c. But where can they find your product and what you got coming up next? All right. Well, first you can definitely find my product. You can go to my website. It's www.awmusiconline at um I mean dot com. Sorry, awmusiconline dot com. And through there, you can you know you can purchase my music. It's available. The album is called Epic Salvation, and it's available on uh, iTunes, Amazon, uh, CD Baby, and some other outlets that I can't think of at the moment. But um, <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely would love your support. And right now, during the holiday season, I actually I know most artists kind of pick up around this time, but I kind of shut down a little bit. Um, because, you know, dealing with church and, you know, I'm, right. I'm a, you know, I'm over mu- my music ministry at my church, The Bridge, in downtown Silver Spring. So 
so around this time, that's my focus. Um, just you know, um, dealing with you know the church home and and taking care of my praise team and all that stuff. So so I'll pick back up in January. Um, we're promoting the record. Awesome. Well, congratulations on all your success, and I look forward to seeing uh, and work with you in the future. Hey, maybe we can yeah. get together and, and collab and talk about a song. Let's make it happen. <laughs> it's, yeah, let's make it happen. But I hope you have a Merry Christmas, and thank you so much again for giving up your time and coming here on the Music Box. So you've officially been boxed, and I will <laughs> holler you out and tweet at you uh, from time to time. On Twitter, I ask that you support me, and I will in turn support you. Teamwork, all most right? Most definitely, most definitely. Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. If you're just tuning Yo, in, this I, is Marcus D. Wiley, and you're listening to the Music Box with my girl Tanya Dallas Lewis. Yeah. Thank you, Marcus D. Wiley. If you're just tuning in, you know what I'm going to say. You missed it. You missed an amazing interview with national recording artist. Alex Williams, he had an amazing story, didn't he? Loved it. Well, again, happy Thursday. Truly, this is the day that the Lord has made. I know I've said that a million times. Actually, speaking of Bible verses, my kids are learning Luke 2, 8 through 14, you know, from Charlie Brown. And there were in the same country shepherds <laughs> abiding in a field, keeping watch over their flock by night. So we'll have them next Thursday. Uh, we'll have a couple of children uh, to chime in and say some of their favorite things about Christmas. But uh, you know, you know Mama, Mama Tanya here is going to have that verse said by one of my cute little chocolate brown sons. It's a music box right here. Um, well, on the music box, we're thank you so broadcasting live this very nice, warm Thursday, December evening. I believe it was in the 70s today. It's 8.25 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And at the bottom of this half hour, we have Bob Maravich coming right up, y'all. He's a white boy who's an expert on black gospel music. I'm, I'm tickled pink about this, you all. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. Keep it locked. Just in time for the holidays, the new Christmas single by national recording artist Tanya Dallas Lewis. Download Carol Sing on iTunes today. That's right. Make sure you download Carol Sing on iTunes today. You guys, please never underestimate your support of Tanya Dallas Lewis. That's me. I know. Speaking in third person, I don't. I'm not a diva, really. I'm not. I'm not Marvin Burton. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, guys. But uh, listen, never underestimate your support of me, no matter how little or small. I need you guys. Please. Marvin Burton got some bills to pay, all right? Maybe need a new pair of shoes. So it's Tiny Dallas Lewis. So maybe need a new pair of shoes. So uh, just kidding. But in all seriousness, we appreciate you guys. Go to iTunes right now. It's just 99 cents. It's on Amazon.com at all fine digital download retailers uh, near you. Um, so do that for me, okay? I love y'all. All right, like I said, we've got a great show continuing, so don't you go anywhere. As a matter of fact, I want to make sure that you, yes, you, who, me, yes, you. Y'all remember that from kindergarten? Tanya sold the cookie from the cookie jar. Who, me, yes, you. <laughs> okay, look. <laughs> 
it's a music class for Tanya Dallas Lewis. Bob Maravich is coming right up. You don't want to go anywhere. Matter of fact, you may want to call your friends. We're going to talk about race in and in, in Christian music. I, I think we still, you know, Sunday's still the most segregated day of the week. That that must affect Christian music. It does, because I say so. Hey, everybody, it's your girl, Tanya Dallas Lewis, right here on the Music Box. And make sure you follow me on Twitter at Tanya D. Lewis. That's the at sign, T as in Tom, A, N as in Nancy, Y, A, D as in dog, L, E as in everything, W, I, S as in Sam. That's right, at Tanya D. Lewis on Twitter. Love y'all. Now back to more on the Music Box. Thank you, Self, and we've got some of your Christmas favorites coming up right now on the Music Box while we wait for Bob Maravich. This is Nat King Cole's Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire. It's not Christmas until you hear the song, okay? You heard it from me. Keep it locked on the Music Box with your girl, Tanya Dallas-Lewis. Jack Frost nipping at your nose Yuletide carols being sung by choir And folks dressed up like Eskimos Everybody knows A turkey and some mistletoe Help to make the season bright Tiny tots with their eyes all aglow We'll find it hard to sleep tonight They know that Santa's on his way He's loaded lots of toys and goodies on his sleigh And every mother's child is gonna fight to see a reindeer really know how to fly And so I'm offering this simple phrase To kids from one to ninety-two Although it's been said Many times, many ways, Merry Christmas to you. I'm telling you, Nat King Cole always gets me in the mood for Christmas. If you're just tuning in, you're relaxing, you're relaxing. You are bringing it on down with your homegirl, Tanya Dallas-Willis, right here at the helm. It's smooth sailing on the music box at the bottom of this half hour. We'll have our special guest, Bob Maravich. In between time, though, I promise you all some more fun facts about the candy cane, okay? <laughs> now, earlier, if you're just tuning in, I had let you all know that for 200 years, the candy cane came only in one color. And I tried to get you to guess, but here in my virtual studios, I cannot hear your thoughts. I am in mind reading school. Actually, women, we, um, we passed mind reading school at, like, third grade. Men, I don't know. They just... They need to go to Miami school, but I digress. <laughs> Anyhow, for the first 200 years, the candy canes came only in one color, and that color is white. All right? I also share with you guys that the National Candy Cane uh, Day, it has its own holiday, is celebrated on December the 26th in the United States. So uh, those of you who love candy canes, celebrate on the day after Christmas, all right? Get your candy canes out and eat them. 
<laughs> the world's largest candy cane was created by Paul Ginelli and measured at 58 feet and two and a quarter inches. I think that's pretty cool. Now, again, there is a historical and religious significance behind the candy cane. We'll get into that a little bit later, but I just wanted to make sure that I let you all know about some fun facts about the candy cane. I, you know, the stripes were added later, and as you all, if you notice, there's three red stripes, which are a symbol of the Holy Trinity, you know, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And then, of course, the white is a symbolism of God's, uh, Jesus' pure blood. Well, so are the red stripes, but the purity, okay, of Jesus. He was um, born without sin, all right? I like that. I like that. Well, Merry Christmas to you guys. It's the Music Box. Thank you for chillaxing with me on tonight. Tomorrow is Thursday, and I don't know about you, but I'm glad about it. Yes, I am. I'm glad. I'm glad about it. Now, if you're a real gospel fan, you know what song that is. Timothy, right? Uh-huh. I was sitting all alone, alone one day, thinking about the questions that came my way. I'm trying to sound like Timothy. Okay, probably not working. <laughs> oh, God, just Tanya Dallas Lewis right here at the helm. So excited about um well, the NAACP Image Awards, I want to thank Mr. Henry Harris of Spirit Co. One for all his help and support. We've been kind of brainstorming and uh, just, you know, trying to get things together to, uh, you know, make sure that my submission becomes a nomination. So I need you all's help. If you're on Twitter, follow me at Tanya D. Lewis. But also make sure you tweet support. The NAACP is watching, okay? So make sure you, when you tweet support about my submission for my music video, something about a miracle, that you put in the hashtag at NAACP Image Awards, and you also tag the NAACP Image Awards by putting their Twitter address in there, which is at NAACP Image Award, no S, okay? Woo, that's a lot. So, <laughs> oh, man. She works hard for her money. I'm trying to get paid. Well, that's not in relation to what I just said. I'm just talking about it in general. I think we all, when we work hard, would like to see the fruits of our labor. And uh, people don't understand that recording artists, well, guess what? We need, this is how we make, um, this is one of the ways we make our living. So, you know, to assume that we're going to show up to your events and just sing for free, that's just not the right approach. I don't even think it's a godly approach, okay? So just just. Yeah, y'all change that. All right, coming up right now is Give Your Heart. It's a Christmas song by Sean Scales. This is on the Christ Uniters uh, CD Christmas Project. My girl, Deborah Hunter, supporting her. You guys make sure you go to iTunes and download uh, these group of singers, professional, national, and some international recording artists from the Seattle, Washington area that have come together and put some Christmas songs together. This one is Give Your Heart by Sean Scales. I like this song. Can y'all tell I like it? This is the second week in a row I've played it. You guys, make sure you keep it locked. We're going to listen to a few minutes of this, and, uh, well, we'll be back with more on the Music Box. Right. 
is honored to support Tanya Dallas-Lewis and the NAACP Image Award submission for nomination in the Outstanding Music Video category. Something About a Miracle, the official music video. See it now on YouTube or TanyaDallasLewis.com. And now, back to the music box with your other sister, Tanya Dallas-Lewis. Thank you, Big C. Uh, shout out and a prayer out to Big C. Uh, experienced a little bit of health issues, so we lift him up in the name of Jesus. Uh, we just declare healing, and God, man, he's all-knowing. So uh, whatever he's doing, because God is always up to, up to something, uh, even in the midst of our health issues, our trials, our financial calamities, he's up to something. So we just, man, I'm telling you, I'm learning this. I've known the Lord a long time, too, but I really don't know much. <laughs> I, I'm finding out I really don't. I don't know as much as I thought I did. But my point is uh, that sometimes even through our storms, we are right where God wants us to be, and we just uh, need to be content 
uh, knowing that he is in control. So am I saying he should be content with his sickness? No. I'm saying in his sickness or whatever his health issues are, that he should be content in knowing uh, that Jesus sits on the throne and he's taking care of his baby. Amen. And the church said, amen. (laughs) If you're just tuning in, shame on you. No, I'm just playing. Thank you so much for chilling out, chillaxing, relaxing, chilling with your sis, Tanya Dallas Lewis, right here on the Music Box. We've had a great show thus far. It's still continuing, so don't you dare go anywhere. Matter of fact, do me a favor. Make sure you call your friends. Let them know that Tanya Dallas Lewis is on the air right now. You guys can call in if you want to send, uh, send out some shout-outs. Uh, what is the number? 646-652-2106. I promised you that we had um, a second special guest coming up right here at the bottom of the half hour. Actually, now it's going into the second part of the show. But his name is Bob Maravich, and I now have him in the green room. And you know, it's black people food in there, so I I don't know. You know, let's let's see. <laughs> he is an expert, a gospel music expert, um, really a music expert. So he he's around a lot of black people a lot of times. So uh, it's my suspicion he probably likes uh, the food in the virtual green room. Bob, are you there? I am here, Miss Tanya. <laughs> How are you? Welcome to the Music Box. Well, I'm glad to be here. Uh, glad to uh, be on your show. I am, look, I already told you I was looking forward to this day, uh, mostly because you're white. I know. Applause. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason is, and I say that because, you know, I just, I, I saw it as an irony that you, you know, an expert in gospel music, you're, a, you know, a music historian and um, a radio announcer and all these things that have to do with gospel music, and you're a white dude. I thought that was super amazing. So <laughs> please don't be offended at my candidness, okay? No, no, I, I'm sure that anyone would imagine I wouldn't be God's first choice <laughs> in, in that, but uh, somehow or another it worked out, yep. Amen. Well, let me introduce you to uh, the Music Box family. Hey, listeners, this is an amazing guest. I'm so excited to have him. I'm not going to say much, even though his bio is very impressive, just in the, the like, you know, just in respect of time. But Bob Maravich is a gospel announcer, like I said. He's a music historian and reviewer. He hosts a radio program on Chicago's WLUV 88.7 FM. And in his in his tenth year, Gospel Memories, which is a show that airs that he hosts every Saturday morning from ten to eleven, features gospel, spiritual, and jubilee recordings from the beginning of recording sound, y'all, to the early nineteen eighties, with emphasis on music from nineteen forty five to seventy, gospel's acclaimed golden era. So Bob has interviewed many gospel legends. I'm talking about those first uh trailblazers, y'all to current uh, gospel legends, and he's got a pulse on where the gospel music uh, industry is going. He writes about gospel music for the Black Gospel Blog, uh, which is how I first heard about him. I've been featured in there. I'm very grateful. And then he's also formerly the second vice president of the Chicago Area Gospel Announcers Guild, which is Gospel Music Workshop of America. Uh, Bob is on the board of directors of the Chicago Gospel Music Heritage Museum and is a member of the Stella Awards Gospel Music Academy, me too, and the Recording Academy, and the list just goes on and on and on. So, Bob, thank you so much uh, for, you know, being on the music box. My pleasure, Miss Tanya. Glad to have glad. Um, I appreciate you having me on. But I want to know, you know, do people – you know, what is the reaction from people when they find out that you are a white guy, but, you know, you are you just have such a love for gospel music? What is the reaction? Is it typically like mine? Yeah, typically what they'll say is, 
how did you get involved in gospel music? <laughs> <laughs> and I know what that means. And you know, but it, um, and what I tell them is that um, you know, simply it was that when I was growing up, literally the first record I ever bought was Booker T and the MGs. So I had always been interested in the music of African Americans, even as a little kid in knee pants in Northwest Indiana. Wow. For some reason, I always had. But uh, my first taste of gospel music came uh, in January of 1984 when I happened to catch Dr. Charles G. Hayes in the Cosmopolitan Church of Prayer radio broadcast from Chicago. And uh, it had never, honest to goodness, had never occurred to me the power of gospel music until that moment. And after that, uh, I was I was really hooked. I um, really decided I wanted to follow this music and find out more about it. Uh, and uh, even though right immediately after college, I, I didn't spend as much time, later on I, I started to, and, and it's got me kind of where I'm at today. Now you said the power of gospel music. You developed such a love and respect for gospel music. And I, I, I know, you know, I just heard you tell the story about, you know, the first, you know, uh, records that you had and things like that. You know, was, was your mom or dad listening to this music? I mean, did you just stumble upon it? I'm still trying to figure it out. Sure, yeah, no, um, it pers- I, I remember just always having an interest in black music. Huh. When I, None of the, my friends listened to black music. My parents didn't listen to black music. Um, they didn't discourage it, but, um, you know, it was sort of on my own thing. I mean, when I got my first little record player and it came full of records from Motown, I was ecstatic. I thought this was fantastic. <laughs> and, you know, and again, I we're bet. talking seven, yeah, I know I was like seven or eight years old, but, um, I don't. I don't yeah. know. I, I really can't pinpoint it. I grew up Catholic, and you know, it's hard enough to get Catholics to sing, much less you know to <laughs> sing with soul. So. I know that's right. <laughs> I've been. I've, I have Catholic friends, and I've been to church with them. So you're right about that. Well, you know, nonetheless, I think it's amazing, and so I just, I, I just, I love your passion for for black gospel music. And you know, the truth of the matter is. You know, even when it comes to artists like uh, and their influences, like Elvis Presley, which you know, which they call the king, uh, anyone who has any pulse on music and music history knows that you know Elvis was uh, influenced by you know black music great. Okay, yeah. so you know, I can see you know it's not like it's like totally unheard of. You know, I can see why you know you would like black music, but then gospel music—that's a stretch. Yeah, I know. I had so I'm not going to talk about. I'm not going to belabor that point. I just want you to know that I I think it's amazing. I'm I'm so impressed. I really am. Well, well thank you. Now, and, you know, I I had some friends in in South Africa when I first and we first met each other in the 90s. They were actually surprised at just how much I enjoyed the Pentecostal sounds. They assumed maybe I would wow. like the Hawkins or some of the more contemporary sounds. Yeah. But I was always drawn to the quartets, like the original Five Blind Boys in Mississippi. They had a much more of a Pentecostal sound. Um, but really, and I think a lot of what I did initially was to listen to those pioneers, but when I joined the Gospel Announcers Guild and artists of today were coming up to me with their project and saying, uh, will you play this on your radio show? Well, my radio show is all vinyl, and I, I felt badly. I could not, you know. So I, that's when I decided to do the blog because I thought, I really need to, to I, I don't want to waste these individuals' money by give, having to right. give me a CD I can't play. So um, right. that's where I started. And then I got more and more involved in the current gospel industry through the blog and through the Gospel Announcers Guild. 
Well, Bob, you've helped me do a great segue because you talked about the gospel pioneers and then you talked about gospel artists and music of today. I want to ask in your opinion, where is gospel music headed? And I think you're the perfect person to answer this because you have studied um, music. You're a music reviewer. You're a music historian. And honestly, some of the people you named in the beginning, I ain't even heard of. You know, I really, I really need to go and, you know, of course I've heard the his, you know the history about the Thomas Dorsey's and things like that. Um, but it's the music I sing. I ought to know about it. So that gets me to my question. Where is gospel music headed, and how can independent artists seize the day in a time where the industry uh, heavyweight record labels, they're no longer holding the power cords to the music industry and how music is sold and received and distributed as, distributed as much as they did, you know, in yonder years. So how can, where is gospel music going, and how can the independent artists seize this moment? Well, and there's a couple of answers to that. The first one is, uh, and this is what harkens back throughout the history of gospel music. Gospel music has always adopted the music of the current age, whereas you might say country music kind of adopts the music about 10 years ago. Um, gospel wow. has always been right on, on the cusp of music. So uh, it, when I talk to my friends who enjoy the traditional sound and they chide me for you know enjoying gospel rap or, or gospel hip-hop or things, I say, Thomas Dorsey was the gospel hip-hop artist of his day because he brought that, that uh, barrel house piano in the church when nobody wanted that, that barrel house piano in there. So, uh, but yet that was the sound of the contemporary scene of black music at the time when he started. So I'm thinking, so to answer your question, I see gospel music moving in parallel with black music. So as, uh, as artists begin to incorporate more world sounds, like I know... I'm hearing a lot more, and I'm sure you are too, a lot more almost Eastern sounds, uh, Indian, uh, uh, Far Eastern sounds in gospel music, as you're hearing more of a, of a mix, of, a, of a, a medley of different things happening, some uh, Eastern, some uh, world music, some New Age. All of that is going to always be in gospel because gospel is reflective of the current times. Um, so I think as long as, if we know where black music is headed, we know where gospel music is headed. Amen. I, I like that. And you know what? I'm, I'm so glad that you kind of put a light uh, on that because I, I totally agree. I mean, everything you said, based on the trends that I see with music and being a, a national recording artist and, and, you know, still learning my craft from some of the very best uh, in the industry that I have the honor and pleasure to work with, you are absolutely right. And, you know, but for some people that's scary, uh, especially for traditional artists uh, like, say, our favorites, uh, the icons like uh, Pastor Shirley Caesar and, you know, and those group of people with that choir traditional sound, you know, in your opinion, what are they supposed to do? Are they supposed to just uh, sit back and, and let th this time pass them by? I mean, what what would be your recommendation? No, I would ask, I would sure, I would suggest that they really find a way to incorporate the new sounds to the extent that it makes sense into their into their sound. For example, uh, back in the 70s, well, no, let's take it up to the 1980s, when the Winans came out, there were a lot of traditional quartets decided we have to sound like the Winans. We've got to add all this in, the Winans uh, sound into ours. And it didn't work with everybody. And so some quartets came out sounding very unlike themselves, and it did, just didn't work. And then others did very well by it. So I think it's a matter of taking the best parts of what one is hearing today and saying, how can it in, impact my... So in other words, if, if I... How can I sound like I sound, like a Shirley Caesar or, or um, uh, you know, a, a, say, Sticky Winans to some extent? 
how can I make this sound more contemporary? And it can be done. It's just a matter of taking what sounds would make the most complement to your sound and moving it forward. So it, maybe your sound isn't the one that needs to have the lots of uh, technology. It just needs uh, a little bit of a contemporary oomph. The other thing is the songwriting. Um, one of the things that I think that gospel music will always need um, is good songwriters to tell the message. So if, if you're a very good songwriter or if you have access to an, a very good songwriter, you will continue to thrive because people want to hear those songs. So you have a, a Marvin Sapp who can do, you know, never would have made it. That song can thrive in our current environment because it's a great song. Um, it is. So that, that's, an, I would say, in addition to finding the best sounds that, that meld best with your own particular ministry, I would say really good songwriting is important to the future. I think it is, too. I think it is, too. I think you'd make a great teacher. Do you teach at, like, a local university on, on you know, gospel music heritage? or? I've tried, um, but unfortunately a lot of universities now don't, even the ones that did have a gospel music uh, curriculum don't anymore. Okay. So it's it's a shame, but it's true. Yeah. Yeah, it is a shame. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about the sounds that you talked about in gospel music. Um, I mentioned earlier, and I tweeted about it this week. Um, it may be a touchy subject for some, but they're just gonna have to get on over it. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if they're tuned into the music box with Tanya Dallas Lewis. Um, race and Christian music. Um, there is a lot of artists will say, and I'm not speaking on their behalf, but a lot of my uh, friends who are, you know, black like me and are in the music industry, we see uh, a separation when it comes to gospel music and if you would call it CCM music. Now, Sunday, as many people know, still remains the most segregated day of the week. And I don't know about you, Bob, but music, in my opinion, has a lot to do with that. Not only the race, but how the music is done uh, on Sunday morning during worship service. What, what, what is your, do you have any thoughts about uh, that dynamic when it comes to Christian music and gospel music? Why do we have to have it even a difference? You know, because people say, oh, I love good Christian music. But when they say that, Bob, we know they mean white Christian music versus if they say, I love gospel music. That means that's music by black people singing about the Lord. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, and I'm probably a good poster child for that because people will automatically say to me, well, do you know this, that, and the other Christian artists? And I have to say I actually don't. Um, I I don't follow Christian music or, say, the white artists as much because I didn't like it. Um, I I grew up when it – and there's a great uh, – there's a northern Irish – term called twee and twee means kind of something that seems a little i don't know cheesy or and, and i just didn't i just didn't never really uh, <laughs> warmed up to it and okay. uh, it, it it lacked the soul it lacked the substance it lacked the character uh and i thought gee that's just not for me so I, now i know that things are changing there's a lot more in christian music where people are adopting rock styles what i'm hearing um is that a lot more of gospel is, is grabbing some of that TCM. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm not so sure about that. Um, I, I'm not so sure I, I think that's good. I, I think that in some respects it waters gospel down. But I know it's a, it's a reality because you have, you know, you have churches that are, some of them are multi-denominational, multi-racial, and you've got to appease everybody. Right. Um, right. So that's just my only, my personal opinion. But um, I, I think... It's a shame that, that that separation has taken place. 
Um, I think that music has the power to change it. But on the other hand, what I would hate to have happen to gospel is for it to lose what what continues to keep it so dynamic by adopting uh, techniques of music styles that maybe aren't as complementary. Okay. Okay. That's fair. You know, I probably offended a whole lot of people that, <laughs> that, that admit, but but I really I just I just don't I I prefer gospel to continue to have that that substance that I think sometimes I, I, I think I can totally hear your heart on that. Um, I noticed that you said that it's it's kind of that's watering it down. Um, and I know I'm just going to be real with you, and I probably will make some people upset um, as well. And I'm not trying to put, um, you know, black people's business on blast <laughs> on my radio show. You know, we ha- we have some uh, some tacit rules among <laughs> our people, and so there's certain things you just don't say. But we, I'm just going to be honest. When it comes to to black gospel music, it seems like those in the black, excuse me, in the white uh, Christian music industry will make more money than people who are in the black gospel industry. And I think that might have a lot to do with, Bob, and you're more of an expert than I am, so you correct me if I'm wrong, with the trend uh, for black artists now, uh, black gospel artists, to kind of get more on that that CCM side so that they can appeal to those audiences. So so not just because churches are uh, more multicultural, but also because, it's where the money is. You know what I'm saying? People trying to go sure. where the money is. No? Am sure. I am I off somewhere? No, I, I think you're right. I mean, I think if you look at even where the, the gospel hip-hop, when, when uh, an album shoots number one, you know that there's uh, a whole variety of people buying that CD. And I think so you do want to go to where the audience is the, is, is the larger. And so financially, economically, it, it totally makes sense. I just... In terms of music, I, I just sometimes worry that it's gone, you know, a little too far over the edge. But, um, but on the other hand, ten years from now, we may look and say, you know what, it, it worked. It, that's exactly what happened. Um, but I, I hear what you're saying about, you know, I think the fact that there has to be two different gospel music associations uh, <laughs> doesn't make a lot of sense to me. <laughs> you know, that there's got to be doesn't. two separate it's, awards. You know what? Quite frankly, it's it's sad, and uh, and the reality is. You know, Bob, I think a lot of people mistakenly thought, and I'm going to say it was probably mostly white people, uh, when it came to the election of our first black president, the nation's first black president, Barack Obama, uh, that that would somehow ease racial relations. Uh, quite frankly, it made it worse. And I think uh, just as Sunday still remains the most segregated day of the week, we still do have that segregation in gospel. And like you said, it is sad because um, I know that white people as well as black people have a heartbeat for the Lord. Uh, we have our own individual relationships with him, and we love him. You know what I'm saying? We are in love with him. We'll, we'll go wherever he tells us to go. Uh, but when it comes to music, you, you, you are lying to yourself if you don't say that there is a disparity when it comes to, uh, you know, race and Christian music, just like on Sunday. Um, sure. So it is a little difficult. I don't I, – can it be said? Well, you know, it's a good question because it, it didn't start out that way. I mean, if you look back to, say, even the, the uh, Azusa Street revival of the, uh, the Church of God in Christ, I mean, there were whites and blacks and I'm sure other races of people worshiping together, singing the same songs, uh, getting along completely fine in Los Angeles, California, in whatever that was, 1904, 1905, um, and it worked just fine. And it was, you know, it was the white community that pulled out and said we want to start our own, you know, the Assemblies of God and all that to happen. 
um, where you had that racism that it, that cut it off. But at that time, with with the uh, the early early Church of God in Christ, well, at least the early uh, Azusa Street movement, I should say, at least that particular movement, it was a multiracial experience. And um, I, I just wish we could have gone back in time and said, how could we have extended that and gotten past all those barriers? Because what an amazing thing it would have been um, to see how everything would have changed. Um, so can it be done? You know, I, I'm hopeful that if it could be done once, it could be done again. Um, but I do think there has to be some changes in, the, in mindsets, um, and that has to also translate to the economic forces that, that decide how to separate music out. And, you know, that, that this is that and that is the other. And that uh, those have to be somehow brought back together that this is God's music. Um, we've got mm-hmm. now got a lot of Latino brothers and sisters who are doing salsa gospel. And that needs like to be included. That. You know, so. I agree. Um, I agree. I like that a lot. And I, I love the way you are so informed with, you know, on both on both sides. So I appreciate that. Um, we have come to close to the end of our show, and I just want to hear from you before you go, because I promised my uh, friends who are uh, mid-level and artists and new artists that, that they wanted to hear some of your tips on how, uh, maybe at least two tips on how they, um, as artists, can make an impact on the industry that is ever-changing, especially with the introduction of Internet, you know, and downloading and uh, independent artists, there's so many of us, and a lot of us are just as talented as the artists who are with some of those major labels, but we don't have that major marketing and advertising dollar. So wh- what do you recommend? What are two of your top tips for artists who are trying to make it? Number one tip would be, you know, we perish for lack of information. Go to as many conferences, meet as many people in the industry as possible. That, that your budget allows. I mean, go to the Gospel Music Workshop of America. Go to the Dorsey Convention. Go to the various workshops that take place around the country. Listen to shows like yours where there's information provided. And just soak up all that information so that you have a, a sense of, of what the industry is all about. Because it, it, you may have a great ministry, but it may not translate to uh, a success as a gospel artist. Um, so information. Number two. Uh, and this is something that um, I recently uh, learned from uh, a gospel rap artist. I thought he put it very well. He said, wait until your project, your, your what you want to introduce to the world, is at its very best. Don't try to cut corners. If you have to take a little bit of time to invest the money into it, do it. But have the ear introduction, your debut to the gospel music industry, be the very best product that you can possibly produce, put together. Beautiful packaging nice, you know, even if it, it can only be an EP, so be it. Just have it be nice package so that when it is presented, it present, it, it's the best representation of yourself. Those two tips right there I think will get people a lot further off the dime uh, in, in this industry. Well, I love that. I love that. And I'm so grateful for you uh, coming on the show. Love learning from you. How can artists get in contact with you if they'd like to, you know, have their information or what they're doing included on the Black Gospel blog? They can email me at bob at gospelmemories.com, or they can uh, call me at 773-576-2378. Either way, um, we'll, we'll make it happen. Well, thank you so much, Bob Maravich of the Black Gospel Blog. I want to thank you, too, for uh, including me (laughs) in your gospel blog from time to time. Whatever I can do to support you, I will do. Hope you will do the same for me. Absolutely. And I hope you have a, a Merry Christmas. 
And Merry Christmas to you, Tanya. Thank you. <laughs> you take care. You too. Thank you. Well, if you're just tuning in, man, you missed it, but don't worry. You know, we have the archives for the music box on blogtalkradio.com. One of the benefits of being on Blog Talk Radio, that was Bob Maravich, an awesome guy. And I love that he's so candid and so honest. And, uh, you know, I know white people out there listening, I hope I didn't offend you with what I said. Um, typically, you know, black people, we can say what we want and not get in trouble anyway. <laughs> it's y'all who can't say what you really want to say. But uh, when you come on this show, I respect your opinions, whether they agree with mine or not. And I learned a lot from Bob Maravich. So make sure you support him. If you're on Twitter, follow him. That's right, at Black, black Gospel Blog, okay, the at sign Black Gospel Blog. Support this brother. He is supporting you guys, okay? It's the Music Box with Tanya Dallas Lewis. We'll be right back with more. Don't you go anywhere or else I'm going to beat you down. Now, you know these ladies must be bad to be the only ladies that I've noticed on the 2012 Rhythm of Gospel Awards ballot to have a miss in front of their name. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. I just want to send out a congratulation to Miss Wanda Adams and Miss Norma DeShields Brown on your recent 2012 Rhythm of Gospel Awards nomination for Gospel Radio Promotion and Marketing Group of the Year. Y'all some bad mama jammas. Congratulations. Y'all make me so proud. This is Tanya Dallas-Lewis, National Recording Artist. All right, showing some love to my radio servicer, Norma DeShields Brown, and my manager, Miss Wanda Adams. You all make sure you keep her lifted. Uh, she is back in the hospital, so I want to make sure you all keep her lifted. Please, 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 please keep her lifted at her health issues. Wanda Adams, if you are listening by chance, we love you and we are praying for you. And we know uh, that all things work together for the good to them who are called, those who are called, those who love the Lord. So we're praying for you. And even in this, we pray that God's will be done and that it keep you uh, through this. I, I love my kid's Bible. I told you I love my kid's Bible because it talks so simply. And it says, uh, if I remember correctly, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. He gives me everything I need. Oh, I love that. I love that. And then it said, he leads me beside the quiet waters. That just painted such a visual picture for me uh, because, you know, God is such a – Jesus is the great shepherd, and if, he, if we'll follow him as he leads, he will lead us beside the quiet waters. And then it says, uh, even though I am in the darkest of valleys, I am not afraid. And then it says, you are there. Is that tight or what? Okay. I just, I love it, you know, because y'all know how it is. We read these psalms all our lives, and so the words kind of lose their meaning. And so to read it in another translation, just, I don't know about you all, but it just breathed life into me. <laughs> I loved it, just knowing that God is there. And, you know, he just, he speaks to me off of those pages. And I love it because y'all know I act like a child half the time anyway. But there's something about a a childlike faith. That sounds like a song, right? There is something about a childlike faith. <laughs> there is something about having a faith like a child because they believe even when what's standing in front of them says otherwise. So, oh, gosh, read your Bible. Okay, that was a commercial to read your Bible. You know, we talked about the fun facts about the candy canes on today's show. We're coming to a close, but I just wanted to give you the last fun fact about candy canes since it is Christmas. 
It's Christmas. And in the background, you probably can hear my current single, my current uh, Christmas single, excuse me, entitled Carol Sing. Make sure you guys download that today, please. I, I don't have to beg you because I can just ask. Just ask. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says just ask. Okay, let me stop singing and acting crazy. This is what I do all day. I drive my husband crazy. Okay, some 175 billion candy canes are manufactured in the U.S. each year. That's enough to stretch for 3,000-plus miles. That's from Santa Claus, Indiana, to North Pole, Alaska, and back again for a total of 32 times. So, in other words, the tiny translation is, that's a lot of candy canes, y'all. <laughs> and I love candy canes. I have packed up candy canes from last Christmas, you know, and put them, you know, in the, you know, in the sealed containers and put them in, you know, the, um, you know, in the, the place where you store things, the storage closet. Okay, sorry. And <laughs> when I pulled them out this year, y'all, these one-year-old candy canes were so good. And you have to be a candy pro like me to, to know this, but they were nice and chewy. They were so chewy. Y'all probably like, them things are stale, Tanya. They was rotten. <laughs> no, they were nice and chewy. Oh, they were so good. Y'all know I ate them all up, right? There's not one candy. <laughs> There's not one candy cane on the Christmas tree because I ate them all. I'm so bad. It was good, you guys. If you want to taste it, it just melted in your mouth. It was so chewy. Anyway, the red and white striped candy cane is one of the most popular symbols of the Christmas season. Its legendary connection to Christianity is said to have begun in, the, in 1670 when a German choir master handed out white sugar sticks among his young singers to keep them pacified during the live nativity ceremony. Okay, so they were white back then, y'all. They were just white sugar sticks just to keep the kids quiet. Shut up, y'all. Be quiet. Okay, so <laughs> according to earlier accounts, the curved confection surfaced in America in 1847 when a German Swedish immigrant living in Ohio decorated a small evergreen tree with paper ornaments and white candy cane. Because remember I told you, for the first 200 years, the candy cane came only in one color, white, okay? All right, so almost 50 years later, the familiar red and white stripes first appeared. No one knows exactly who originally added the red stripes, but Christmas cards prior to the 1900s showed only all white candy canes. Christmas cards after 1900 showed illustrations of striped candy canes. Around the same time, confectioners added peppermint and wintergreen flavors to their candy canes, and those flavors then became the traditional favorites. So for decades, the tale of the candy cane excuse me, candy cane, has been told and retold as a Christmas witness. Okay, for y'all religious nuts out there, pay attention. I'm, I'm about to get spiritual. I know y'all have to have this, okay? I'm just playing. Don't be offended. Okay, you're religious nut. It's all, it's all good. It's all good. The red and white stripes representing the Lord's blood and purity. The three red stripes symbolizing the Holy Trinity. We said that earlier. And the hardness of the candy representing Jesus, our rock, and our refuge. The peppermint flavor is said to signify the use of hyssop, a mint-like medicinal herb referred to in both the Old and New Testaments. So generations of parents have taught their children the candy cane sweet symbolism of Jesus' love. And Jesus is sweet, y'all. He is so sweet. Share candy cane with someone this season. 
but please don't give me one, okay, because y'all already know that I ate up all the candy <laughs> I ate up all the candy canes. It's not one on my tree. Okay, share a candy cane with someone this season and tell them the sweet story of the Savior who was born to set us free. That uh, story on candy canes and those facts are courtesy of John Falk. He is a CBN staff writer, and so don't think that I came up with that myself. I'm sure y'all don't. Uh, <laughs> I'm so grateful, and I will continue to be tickled pink. Yes, I am an AKA, but that's not right. I'll be tickled pink. I will continue being uh, being tickled pink at the fact of the matter that you all uh, hang out with me on Thursdays. So thank you. Okay, really. I just want to wish all of you uh, a Merry Christmas. Don't be afraid to say it, because when you say Happy Holidays, you're really talking about Christmas anyways. I don't know why we we try to be so politically correct in America. It's really our downfall. But anyhow, uh, I'm going to close out the show with some great Christmas music. We heard a Carol Sing by yours truly. Downloaded today. Did I say that already? I played the promo. Do I need, do, do I need to play the promo again? Because I, I will. I need y'all to download this promo. I tell you, baby, need a new pair of shoes. Work it out, didn't he? Didn't he work it out? Okay, let me find. Let me see if I can find it. Cause Marvin's got bills to pay. Let's see here. And just in case you didn't know, Marvin, <laughs> Marvin Burton. I have to get him on here to co-host uh, one of these days. Uh, he is an arranger, a composer. He arranged Carol Sing. Uh, did a great job, by the way, too. But if you would make sure you go to iTunes or Amazon.com and download it, it's just 99 cents. Can we say nine? Let's say 99 cents together. 99 cents. 99 cents. It's just 99 cents. So make sure you uh, download it. If you haven't, please do that today, okay? I said please. And it's Christmas time. It's, it's a time uh, to give. So here is the Carol Sing um, promo to encourage you all to do that. And then we'll be back with our last song and our close of the show on the music box with the other sis, of course, Tanya Dallas-Lewis. Just in time for the holidays, the new Christmas single by national recording artist Tanya Dallas-Lewis. Download Carol Sing on iTunes today. See, and if, if you download it today, I decree blessing in your life. <laughs> all right, I haven't said nothing that y'all ain't heard before. All right, I'm so excited. I hope you all enjoyed those fun facts about the candy cane um, right here on the Music Box with your other sister, Tanya Dallas-Lewis. We are going to close out today with uh, one more Christmas song. And you know what? I played Give Heart by Sean Scales. That's off of the Christ Uniters Christmas Project. So, again, you guys make sure you all support that. And let's see. I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to do a Christmas favorite or let's do uh, Amy Grant's I Need a Silent Night, okay? Shout out to uh, the living room, pastors Kevin and Beth Green here right here in Martinsburg, West Virginia, amazing church. If you guys uh, live in the area, or even if you don't, I invite you to come out on Sunday mornings, every Sunday. Services are 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. For more information, please feel free to visit www.thelivingroom.us and check us out and come on by and spend some time with us. Again, I thank you for hanging out with me. I know I say that all the time. And if you haven't heard these three words, these three words, these three words this week. Hear them from you, sis. 
I love you. But as you know, God loves you more. I'll see you guys next Thursday where our special musical guest will be Tony Craddock, Jr. He is a recording artist, a saxophonist. Is he, is he a saxophonist? Yeah, that's a saxophone. And then uh, Lee Pettigrew, which is the program director at WUFOAM right in Buffalo, New York. So, again, once again, I, I want to make sure that this is a show where you all receive information, especially those of you who are my fellow peers in the music industry. So Lee Pettigrew will be with us, a very well-respected program director for radio, and he's got a lot to say about how independent artists, um, especially mid-level artists like myself, what we need to be doing to ensure our place in the gospel music industry. All right, I think I've talked enough, and uh, I'm going to go chillax and uh, make some hot chocolate and watch a movie. I have, I'm going to see if I can talk the husband into watching The Help with me. Have you all seen that? I want to see it. I love movies like that. I really do. But anyway... I hope you guys have a great weekend, and I will be in uh, Maryland next Tuesday uh, for a Christmas concert uh, with my brother-in-law, Marvin Burton. Tony Smalls will be joining me. Tony Small, it doesn't have an F on it, Tanya. Uh, <laughs> Tom Lorim will also be joining me as well. We had a great time this past weekend opening up for the Christmas experience. It was Marvin, Patrick Edwards, uh, Marvin Burton, sorry, I didn't say his name, Marvin Burton Jr. There you go. Patrick Edwards, um, Tom and uh, Tawana Lorem, uh, Todd, Todd Golar. Uh, we had Greg with us. We just everybody, man. We had an amazing time. Angela Bryant Brown joined me and did uh, "Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas" as a duet. I, did, did I tell y'all we had so much fun? I love singing with a live band. There's nothing like it, and I love my band. They are amazing. So anyway, you guys have a great weekend. And here's "I Need a Silent Night" by Amy Grant. Chaos and the noise I need a midnight clear A little peace right here To end this crazy day With a silent night December comes Then disappears Faster and faster every Behold, 
I bring you good news of great joy that shall be for all people. For unto you is born this day a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace. I need a silent Again, have a great weekend. Thank you to all those in the chat room who tuned in and listened in. Shout out to my mom, Evangelist Tina Dallas-Hawkins, for tuning in and listening to her daughter tonight. I love you guys. And, again, see you guys next week. And I love you, www.tanyadallaslewis.com. And don't forget, please tweet your support for the NAACP Image Awards and the submission of my music video, Something About a Miracle. I appreciate you guys. Have a great weekend.